Hey, Melanie. Hi, Peter. Drew's not here today. <laughs> Has to take care of, you know, his children and life and things. Whatever. So we'll be missing him today. But welcome to How College Works. Today, we have a guest. Yay. Amy, please introduce yourself. Well, I'm Amy Ritten, and I work in the business office administrative affairs area. Do you have a title? I do. I'm a vice president. Uh, what are you a vice president of? Administration and finance. Mm. Oh, because we had the <laughs> VP of Academic Affairs on, and so we were mentioning that, at least in our setup, that we have different VPs who are over different things. So you're over administration and finance, as you said? Right. Would you like the specific areas? Because it, sure. it is more encompassing. Yeah, it's a little sounds a little broad. <laughs> Physical plant, housekeeping, dining services, bookstore, human resources, administrative computing, and the service center, which is our mailroom. What is physical plant? Uh, physical plant is the area that provides the maintenance on the buildings and is our fix people. Um, <laughs> they take care of the grounds, they take care of the buildings, they monitor the utilities. So they're like basically the people that keep the end whole, whole thing going. They do. I mean, um, in, in that particular aspect. So if I break something in my room, <laughs> I have to talk to physical plant. Usually, yes, you have to talk to physical plant or do a work order through our system technology-wise so you don't have to talk to them, but you can communicate with them. Oh, good. I, you know, I hate talking to people. <laughs> so that's a lot that you are in charge of, much of which seems kind of disparate. Like academic affairs, Dr. Bachoma talked about how everything academic, right? And so I guess in some level you're talking about everything finance. Most things finance, yes. Most things somewhat untalked about and behind the scenes. Hmm. All right. Not very well known. All right. Please enlighten me. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the other duties that um, I have the pleasure of doing is uh, suite decorating. Oh. So you get to pick out furniture for like the resident halls? Yes, we do. Oh. By the way, at our college we have suites. Oh, yes. S U I T E, right? Correct. Yes. Okay. I was Ooh. like, what? <laughs> and so, it's, in terms of suite decorating, you're talking about so <coughs> when we refurbish or renew the the furniture. Correct. Uh, a suite environment is usually a common area where everyone can gather. There are kitchens, there are bathrooms, and then there are bedroom areas around uh, around the common area, like a quad. Kind of thing, right? Yeah, it, it's a little bit bigger version of a quad. The suites here house between eight and ten people. That's why it's not a quad. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> I'm slow. When I went when I went to college, you know, oh so many years ago, we talked about the quads, but the quads for us were one quarter of the floor. Oh. And so it wasn't. We didn't really have a. There were lounge areas, but basically one half of the floor shared a, a common restroom. And then, so half the people lived in one quad, and there were two, one, two, th four doubles and a single there. So, okay. But there, was, like, there wasn't like our common area. There was a common area for like the entire floor of the, mm. of the, uh, of the dorm. Yeah, where we are, um, each suite has their own individual common area. Mm -hmm. And that's what we refurbish every eight or nine years. 
So you're in charge of actually picking out new furniture or you're in charge of signing off on the new furniture or? We actually work in conjunction with the designer because you would not want me picking out the furniture. <laughs> uh, so we work in conjunction with the designer and then they bring us suggestions and we say yay or nay. Uh, we have certain rules that we do try to follow. So for our listeners, if they hate their dorm <laughs> furniture, should they come talk to you or someone like you? They should call, uh, yes, their physical facilities or, you know, in some uh, colleges and universities, it's the housing area that handles student that. Student life. It is that. normally a student life issue. Yeah. Okay. We are unique in that regard. Huh. Do you get to pick out furniture for other parts of campus or does that just... If we have a, a large remodeling, yes, we will pick okay. out furniture for other areas in campus. Just curious. <laughs> Take it to other non-furniture <laughs> related areas. Okay. Uh, so I actually have very little dealing with you. Like I, so, so the VPAA, I, I have to communicate with fairly regularly in the course of my job. I, at least once a year, I have to send her <clears throat> a bunch of documents saying, Please hey, hire me. Yeah, please <laughs> hire me again because I'm doing my work. But in terms of finance or business offices, how Melanie and I often refer to sort of business office, the business yeah. office. Yes, I have relatively little to do with you. I think mostly because if I'm want to purchase something relatively large on my departmental budget, I fill out a sheet and then I pass it off to the VPAA, who then decides whether mm-hmm. this is crazy or not. As long as it's not crazy, it then gets passed off to your office. Correct. So usually. I, we don't have a, usually, a lot of contact <laughs> with your office. No, we don't have a lot of direct contact with faculty members. Mm-hmm. Um, staff members, it's sometimes a little different. Mm-hmm. But uh, with faculty, exactly, it goes through the VP of Academic Affairs and then funnels its way over to us. Mm-hmm. What about students? How often do you, does your office have dealings with students? Dealings. Well, if students want to make payments on their accounts, they can come into the business office to make those payments. That's a good idea, students. That's a great <laughs> idea. Always a positive thing. Um, if students are uh, struggling with paying their bill, we usually have to call them in and have some sort of a meeting with the students. Those are sometimes not fun meetings, but we need to come up with a plan of, of payment. Uh, so we are very willing to work with students so I would highly recommend if you're having issues paying bills you communicate with those individuals that you need to communicate with so majority of your of your office's dealings with students are really on the financial side of paying tuition paying anything else that students need to pay like library funds Sometimes we do collect some library fines, um, student government association fines, if, if a student has been found guilty of some sort of infraction. Uh, beyond that, um, we are unique in that we have a student payday and we will actually cash student paychecks for them oh. on that particular day. That's not a very common feature. So our student workers that are working on campus, they get paid through the financial system of the college because the college is employing them. They do. And is it, is it kind of like effectively on student payday to cash those paychecks, you're kind of paying them in cash, but it still has a, a, a record? A is paper that, trail. A paper trail. Like it's not under the table. It still goes on 
we pay taxes or whatever and, and all that yeah. stuff. Yes, we do track them. Uh, they do get paychecks. And uh, many of them, rather than running downtown to a bank, would rather just cash their check and have the ready-made cash so they don't have to jump off campus somewhere. Okay. So sounds like another major sort of intersection between students and business office is if you're a work study or on, an on-campus student who's working on a campus. Which uh, with us is about half of our student population. Oh. I think that's, I think, I mean, I had work study when I was college. I did too. I mean, I'm, my parents are not super rich, but they're not super poor either. So, yeah. so. And we have, my instincts tells me about 15% of our student employees are work study and the other 85% are just regular student employees that um, we budget money for and set aside those funds to provide student jobs in various areas on campus. It's like the library has a ton of workers, so they're not pro they're probably not all work studies. No, it's usually a combination. Dining services also has quite a few mm -hmm. student workers. Resident assistants. So if you are in high school and have no idea what we're talking about. Work study, or even if you're college, I don't know what we're talking about. Work study is a, is this a Pell Grant? Is it's part of your federal. It's part of your federal yes. student aid. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so I had some student aid, at, um, I think I'm a, I think within, I think we talked last time, with, within a year I might be able to pay that off. Oh, your student loan? My student loans. And we also talked <clears throat> about how I hate you. Okay. Yes. Congratulations. But, by yes, now. thank you. I am, mm, mm, I have a five-year-old son who <laughs> pay off my school debt. <laughs> But, uh, what about my dogs, is all I'm saying. <laughs> They're going to go without for at least another 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> but they are cheaper than children, I think, so oh, no. keep that. that. That's good. Okay. So work-study is, is part of federal financial aid. Yes, but you have to like work to get the money. So you're granted this right. money. You find something on campus that has that approved for that position. You apply for it like you would a regular <coughs> job. Sometimes you have to interview. And then, because I have work study students, I'm yeah. in charge of two work study students. That's how sometimes I you're just it. placed. Sometimes you can choose. Yeah. But based, as I recall, it was a fairly good deal for my alma mater because I think the government paid half of of what I was paid, and the school paid some other amount or something like that. So it's like it's relatively. I mean, you get paid minimum wage or something. Yeah. It is a minimum wage, but uh, actually for. Us, the government pays seventy five percent, and oh. the college pays twenty five percent. Right, so it's a it's a good deal for the college, and it's also I I think government loans kind of like that because it's it's not free money. That's true. People the, the people like to legislate not free money. <laughs> they don't like to legislate free money. Yeah, and the students do work hours to to earn that money. Mm -hmm. They don't work the hours, they don't earn the money. Does it go back to? The federal government in that sense then what happens if they don't spend it because like I have a spreadsheet keeping track of how many hours they've been awarded and how many they've worked because like we don't want to go over but I also I'm like let's try to get as close as possible because they've they've been awarded this money but what happens if they don't use it do you know if they don't use the work-study money we don't we draw down from the federal government Department of Education money on each payroll. Oh, okay, so it does not so, like a whole semester. Yeah, okay. we, we do not receive the money up front. We, we only uh, request it when it's awarded to students. Okay. So drawdown means that we are, we are receiving money from the federal government. But exactly. only like every two weeks. We get pay, the students get paid every two weeks here, right? They do get paid every, 
roughly every two weeks, right. give or take. <laughs> Actually, you also deal with my salary as well. Is that right? We yes, we do uh, staff and faculty salaries also. Oh my gosh, I have to ask a question. Okay. <laughs> of course. Oh please, I think I know your question. I know yes. Let's go for it. Because we brought it up. Students love to tell me that... Some students. Okay. Some students love to tell me, or I don't know if they love it, I don't know what they're doing, but they get particularly snarky, and they're like, my tuition pays your salary. And I'm usually like, no, it doesn't. You bought Your tuition bought the desk you're sitting in, or something. I say something smart alecky back. <laughs> but out of curiosity, <laughs> where does my salary come from? And does it come from tuition? Because I would hate to have to like say, well, you're right, but I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't admit that they're right. Okay, good. <laughs> um, but uh, we have what's called a general operating budget here. Um, and salaries are a part of that. Benefits are a part of that. Departmental costs, um, your supplies, your phones. Photocopying. Um, utilities for the campus as a whole all becomes a portion of that budget and it's funded by <laughs> tuition <laughs> and room and board. Oh, mother. We're lucky. We have some investment income that also funds portion of that. So uh, those are the main portions that fund our operating budget. But their tuition pays for a lot more than just, I mean, it's not like they're in control no, right. No. Okay. Now that I mean, I think that they're mostly joking. I hope. But yeah. I've had colleagues who have had students, in all serious seriousness, say, "Yeah, I'm paying your salary. You should do it this way." I'm and like, well, oh, hmm. steam from the ears, like flames from the yes. side of my face. <laughs> sort of anger, you know, and the faculty member on that sort of a thing. I mean, part of the thing that I tell my students is that whatever goes into the operating budget, I'm a salaried employee, which means that I get to pay the same for the entire year. Exactly. Which means if they don't sign up for my class, I still get paid the same. I may have other issues that go on with not having anybody <laughs> sign up for my class, but my salary is set whether or not they come to, whether or not they enroll, whether or not they matriculate. Oh, well, I do tell them I get paid no matter if they're there or not. So That's also true. <laughs> like, well, if you don't want to come, that's fine. I still get paid to be here. A good example of that is we get paid in the summer when we do not have students on campus. That's right. So Melanie and I are nine-month appointments. I have elected to have my nine-month worth of salary distributed over 12 months because you're as, a wise person. as yes. flush as it feels to get that extra money. I know I'm not going to say then you, that. Like, yeah, over the summer, you're just like, oh my god, it's going to be ramen time, and I am far too old to be living off ramen. That's ramen? <laughs> yeah, you hit a threshold. You can only eat so much ramen in your life. That's true. That's true. I have been told stories that people didn't think that through like you did and starved themselves in the summer. That's a grad student thing, man. Yeah, I, I think we it figured was that out. Their first or second year. Yeah, yeah, that's... And they weren't, good. they weren't disciplined enough to set money aside no way I could do for that. those nine months that they did get the pay. Yeah. There's just no way. Although I have been at another place where they didn't offer, they did offer a 12-month thing, but essentially you, I don't know how it worked. You ended up actually paying people to hold your money for the three months because they would essentially pull out just that part and hold on to it. I think it was like some sort of weird foundation thing. It was a public place. I don't know. Mm. But I was like, nah. And that was always rough. I tended to have summer work, but there was always those periods because we get paid once a month 
So, like, I wouldn't get a whole paycheck for, like, May or whatever. Like, my last paycheck was at the end of April, and I wouldn't get a check until, like, the 1st of June or something. And that's when you're like, oh, I like potatoes. Just whole bags of potatoes. Makes you have to stretch. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. So, Amy, what runs our college? Where does our money come from? Uh, We are extremely lucky. We have a rather large endowment, which is gifts that individuals have given to us. Okay. They're usually purpose-driven. Okay, so So. can we unpack endowments? Yeah, we've been, my students have been asking my questions. I'm (laughs) going to say what I think, how it works, and then tell me what I get wrong. wrong. (laughs) I will try. Okay, so my understanding is an endowment is invested money, which generally cannot be touched. Only the uh, dividends, effectively the the return on that investment, can be spent. Like the interest that's the interest. Gained. Yeah, that's Wait, the word I want. Dividends. No one knows that. I can't think. Interest in dividends. I know, but I, we're I, talking. Yeah, but, yeah there's yeah. no way. <laughs> so is that correct? How wrong did I get that? No, you are pretty correct. Ninety-nine percent white. Uh, there are. I am ninety-nine percent white. Uh, no, <laughs> white. You're so white. <laughs> There's a couple of additions to that okay. because of those wonderful accounting standards that no one likes to hear anything about, but gains on those monies are set aside and are board designated. So the board of trustees then decides what to spend that money on. Correct. So this might be like whenever we put forth new ideas uh, then like maybe the VPA takes to the board that if they're like, oh, yeah, this is a, a new program we want to fund, is that where some of that money? That's exactly where some of that money is funded from okay. here. Groovy. And you're right about uh, you can't touch the principal money that's been given, but the interest is spendable, and it's usually purpose-driven. Scholarships are something that uh, donors very much like to support because they enjoy watching the success of a student. Plus, it keeps so, the college open. <laughs> right. So there. So it's not just like a big pot of money where everyone dumps a bunch of money in and we just all pull out whatever we need for our departments and running, you know, mowing the grass and keeping the water on and the lights on. How we get that is another episode for institutional advancement but so we get money in it and the donor says this money is for a scholarship and they could either I suppose say here's two thousand dollars you can give four or five hundred dollar scholarships and then you're done that's true or they can say here's a lot of money and if it makes five hundred dollars a year interest that will be used for a student scholarship and that money can only ever be used for what the donor has designated it for. Is that correct? Correct. And some donors are more specific about saying it needs to be for a student from Missouri or a student from this particular county. Those are more challenging to award. Because you need a student from that state or that county or region or, or what have you. Exactly. And some are more general. As in, give it to a student um, interested in English. Yay. Or science. Or science, yes. Yeah. That was our, I mean, <laughs> as part of our division meeting today was the awards that are available to us, one of which actually is a physical plant award, where the physical plant that's provides true. money for students. Well, like a scholarship? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's why they sell us delicious chili. They do. They sell us delicious chili. 
That's true, and that's why we have an auction in the summertime with excess furnishings. That's right. I bought hangers from, last year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, from around campus. Oh, by the way, students, if you have a college or university nearby where you live, you should totally check out, I think it was Wisconsin, it was called, the University of Wisconsin was called Swap, but there's a surplus furniture, housewares kind of thing. <coughs> you can pick up like five drawer filing cabinets for like super cheap, and if you look those things up on... I'm sorry, like really I don't think expensive. talking about five drawer filing cabinets to or students desk, is attractive. <laughs> or a chair, or a couch. It's institutional <laughs> furniture though, so it's not yeah. gonna look super attractive, but it's gonna wear like iron. That's true. Probably, and it is amazing what students will leave. So also students, take your stuff with you and sell it to somebody else because otherwise... Yeah, take advantage of the money on your own rather yeah. than letting whoever well, else... Otherwise we'll take advantage of it, which is great because, you know, scholarships possibly. That's true. But, you know, people leave <coughs> some crazy weird stuff when they leave the dorms sometimes. There has been some interesting finds. So I have a question. Yes. Yeah. Well... I'm having a student worker crisis, by the way, which is I'm texting. Sorry, they can't find the key. <laughs> it's okay. I think I got under control. Um, so my students in 102, which is our research writing class, we are looking at gender and education this semester is sort of a, a common topic that we're building from. And we what sparked at least our interest in the financial discussion was we read an article about Sweetbriar, uh-huh. who, as you know, almost closed, but the alumni rallied and bought it back. Um, but they were talking about their endowment, and so my students asked me, well, what would have happened to their endowment had the school closed? Because as you said, like, you're not supposed to touch, like, the account. You can only spend, like, the dividends. <laughs> Sorry, it's going to keep making fun of you. So, but what happens in those situations? Or what happens if, like, you know, um, like that school is having some issues, could they have, quote, cashed out any of their endowment to save themselves if they needed to? What are the rules with that? Well, it's usually covered under the bylaws of whatever college or university. Privates are diff different than publics, mm -hmm. so it probably varies from institution to institution. Okay. But, it would, but it's a possibility that they could have spent down the principal. Because it's rare, but it is a possibility. Uh, usually you need to go through some legal hoops in order to be allowed to do that. I think in my previous institution, I, I thought I remembered, I could be totally wrong, that they had, were discussing that they had had to, during the height of the recession, spend down the endowment a little bit. And so one of the financial strategic goals of the college was mm -hmm. to build back up the endowment. Mm. Yes, I think that's a goal of every institution. <laughs> I mean, certainly the more you build up the endowment, the, the more, more interest you can have. You yeah. and so if sure. you talk about schools like Harvard, they have probably over a billion dollars of an endowment. I would say more than that yeah. even. Which means that yeah. their interest on that money, even if it's a small amount, is a ton of money. They can put out a lot of scholarships, they can fund a lot of buildings, you know, renovations and stuff like this. So the, the bigger a school's endowment is, the more they can just do things. And you're right. In times of recession, sometimes the principle erodes mm. because well, of yeah. inflation and everything else. Because these are connected to the stock market, right? Many times they're, they try to diversify the investments because you need to, to be smart <laughs> about your investing. Otherwise, 
If you got all your eggs in one basket, that's dangerous. So we don't just have large bricks of gold lying around. We don't. Dang. <laughs> that would have been good during the downturn. Less good now. I would probably agree with that, <laughs> yes. So like the endowment can fluctuate like if there is an economic <coughs> downturn and some of that is obviously invested in like stocks. Yeah, some call I mean in state universities right. were so when Amy, when you refer to publics versus privates, we are we are a private school in that we are not associated with a state legislature. If you go to a big state school, that's a public uh, university or college. Basically, it's, its budget is mm -hmm. determined by the state. Yes. But all of these, even if you're a public or a private, if their endowments tend to be investments, and when the stock market crashes, the literal amount of value evaporates. <laughs> like there's, there was when the housing market oh, wow. bubble popped before the recession. Our students were barely conscious <laughs> at that time. Like two thousand and eight. Uh, it was yes. before that. So well, it was a little before that. Well, but, because the recession definitely started, that was in the downturn. Started, right, right, yeah. yeah. So, But that erased like over a trillion dollars worth of, at least on paper, money value that from the world economy. Many, many institutions. Right, and so as the stock market decreases, like literally the amount of your endowment drops because it's not a bank account. It is an investment. And that tells, and that's based on the value of your stocks and bonds and securities and whatever have it, that you have. Which in turn then affects your operating budget, since a portion of that comes from. Yeah. Exactly, from, from because some of those donors that have done scholarship monies might do something to support a faculty uh, position. This is called an endowed chair. It's called an endowed chair, exactly. So if you if you have a listeners, if you have a professor who is like, they probably wouldn't say it, but Melody Denny. You know, blah 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 chair of English or that that blah 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 is usually somebody's name. Yeah. It usually is, yes. The Weinbrot, chair of English, right? That means that somebody named Weinbrot has donated a lot of money so that the interest from that big chunk of money will pay that person a little bit more than their salary. So this is usually a reward for faculty who are really good at their job or already brought a lot of research money or in some way have earned an honor. That's it exactly, yes. It's a recognition of, of a faculty member. What does, like, I hear this all the time, oh, those are endowed funds. What does that mean? It usually means <laughs> that a gift has been given for, for that specific reason. Okay. Um, like the scholarships, uh, cultural funds are another one. Mm -hmm. uh, we do have endowments that support our, our suites. Mm. Uh, the oh, refurbishing yeah. of those suites, uh, we do have endowments. Mm. And so one, I think one of the difficulties, as I understand it, is that those endowed funds, unless this, the, the, the college is in dire financial straits. You don't spend from the principal. You only spend You can't interest. spend from the principal, and endowed funds can only be spent on the purpose of the endowment. Yes. Correct. So even if we're all like, man, we got all this money in this you know, sweet renovation budget, which we're not using, and we could really use it to... Um, I don't know, renovate my office. <laughs> yeah. That'd be sweet. We'll just put a door in over here. We can get bunk beds. Some, some bunk yeah, in my office. Yeah, some mood lighting. Yeah, because you got some space. I have some vertical space in here. Well, I was just thinking if you know, we can only buy stuff that's for the suites, just buy you a bunk bed. Well, it has to go into the suite. <laughs> now, dang it. If it was the furniture endowed fund, then yes, that's fine. <laughs> right, furniture to go anywhere. But yeah, so even if you have needs of one kind, we can't shift money the way, like, between, say, family members. 
like we can't it would be nice if we could but we cannot because that's very specified based on gift agreements with the donors and yeah, is it, it's a legally binding I was like, contract, what happens if it? we it do? Yes. We will get in trouble. Like, it's would that unethical? be fraud? Well, it's yeah. unethical. Well, there's fraud. that. Yeah, there, okay. there's that. Yes, no. that's very important, that, though. Usually you don't want your school to be in the news for... For fraud? For fraud. <laughs> yeah. Spending <laughs> money and The misspending of funds. Yeah, yes. no one Misappropriation will, of funds. You probably wouldn't get donations after that. Fewer, it seems yeah. quite likely. Yeah. You think the recession hit hard? Yeah, that would hit hard. Yeah. So how much of our a ballpark, how much of, of the money that comes into our school that pays for the operating budget, the general you know, doing of the things of the, of, the, of the college, come from, say, tuition versus in, endowment or other sort of investment funds? Basically, how important, I mean, yes, this, the school would close if we had no students for multiple reasons. But, it's true. They're, they're why we're here. <laughs> but do they make up 50%? Tuition every year make up 50% of our operating budget? Probably roughly. Roughly 50%. Oh, 50%. Okay. So they pay half my maybe salary. A, half your salary. Maybe a bit more. Our next one is probably that support from the, the endowment that's mm -hmm. for faculty chairs or general operations of the institution is, mm -hmm. is the next portion of that. Beyond that, gifts, undesignated types of gifts. I believe I've heard this referred to as unrestricted giving or unrestricted gifts. Correct. Just someone's like, here's money, I like you, Do you know what to do with it. Yes, um, some, some provide support for just general operations. Some pref would prefer to support some purpose. So it's individually driven. So when a student comes into the business office, what is it that you want them to know to help them to know how to interact with you and your staff? The key is talk to us. We don't bite. The business office sometimes is considered the scary place because we're, we're the bad guys that collect the money. And in sometimes unfortunate situations, the student feels like they're put in a corner and that's not the intent. Communicate, that's the key makes everything easier. I think we've heard this before. <laughs> we might have. Come talk to us. I yeah. think we have said it. I know yeah. the VPAA said, said it. it. Mm -hmm. I'm sure faculty members sense it every day when students are struggling in their class and don't come for assistance. It's it's hard. It's like, why don't you come talk to me? I don't know. I'm like, well, I can't help you if I don't know what's wrong. Which and sometimes I found it's cultural. And sometimes it's, I'm ashamed. Or my parents have told me one thing, and you're telling me another? In that situation, who should they believe? I think I know the answer. Unfortunately, uh, usually the business office, but it does put the students in an awkward spot. And then if a case like that, we try to assist the student in communicating with, with the parent. Well, I don't, you know, like most of the time, <coughs> stuff that I hear from students about parents is they're basing their advice or whatever off of their experience and like you were just saying different places do things differently and just because that's how it was or when or where they were in school doesn't mean that that's still how it is or how it works here I mean we have yeah. I think the general term is legacy students at yeah all we do that is the term that's used yeah okay that so their their parents went here 
And that still doesn't mean that things are exactly the same as they were. Right. I mean, every every college or university is in flux, and if they're not, you know, a, a school that is not growing in some way is dying. Is is the general rule? Like if the number of degrees or the the focus of the degrees or the number of buildings or some aspect of the school is not moving and changing and evolving, then what that basically means is that it's stagnating and dying away. And so there's a very good chance that in the, let's just say, 25 to 35 years, you know, or longer since, you, you know, their parents went to, to, to that school, that things have changed. You would hope so. Yes, yes, we <laughs> would hope so. We hope yeah. so. I guess, but one thing that you, your, your office does not do is, is actually necessarily come up with solutions for students who who are finding themselves in financial difficulty, that your it might and correct me if I'm wrong that your office would be the one that says this is what you owe. We can work out a payment schedule or something in order to alleviate like immediate must pay it all right now possibly, but in terms of where to find more money, okay. that would be more like financial aid. That is correct. Yes. Does that fall under you? Uh, no, that actually falls under enrollment management here, which is admissions and financial aid. Financial aid is one of those unique items that falls under different vice presidents in many institutions. Some it does fall under administration and finance. Some it falls under enrollment. Because most of, if, I think most of the money available for financial aid and student assistance is often from outside the college. Am I wrong about that? Um, we are very fortunate that we have quite a few named scholarship funds. Mm. And we also do put some of our operating budget towards scholarships for our students. But yes, they, are, they do get quite a bit of support from external sources also. You know, the local Rotary or the local high school or... Or the federal government. Uh, yes, or, or the state government if they're going to a state school. Federal aid, loans. Oh, that's a dirty four-letter word. I don't want to talk about loans. So, and so it makes a little bit more sense for that to fall on. It, it, well, it can make more sense because that much of that doesn't fall under our operating budget, though we do have some that does fall under. We do have some that falls under, yes. But you're right that um, if someone's having issues, financial aid is a very good place to assist at finding additional money or if there's a special circumstance that came up they might be able to award some additional institutional funds. Since you might not be able to answer this so I don't know I'm just gonna put this out here. <laughs> so I think we're pretty lucky in that our tuition hasn't like continued to raise or raise rise. <laughs> rise. I don't know where I was going with that in ways that a lot of especially state schools Right, their tuition is going up and up, and students and parents are like, where the huge tuition is blah blah. Like I don't know the percentages, but basically the cost of higher education is increasing and increasing. So you kind of have like your finger on the pulse of the finance stuff or surrounding colleges, like way more than I do. I can barely balance my own checkbook. I don't balance a checkbook. I just check it online. I'm just gonna be honest. <laughs> what is causing that? I mean, is it really like? small endowments or state funds. I mean, even private schools, though, I think we're, like I said, pretty lucky in that we haven't been increasing tuition at the rates that some schools have. But what's causing some of that? Um, some of it is uh, could be reduced donations. 
Some could be rising costs of just occupancy of the buildings, mm -hmm. utilities, insurance. <laughs> so everything's more expensive. So like the, I mean, essentially, like it has to go up, right? Yes, unfortunately, to to benefits for yeah. staff, staffing. Certainly for state schools, because they are funded by the state legislature voting on a budget. I, I know since I went to grad school in Wisconsin, I you know, and I friends who I went to grad school with still in Madison talking about how basically UW Madison's budget has been cut. Yeah. Like the state is providing less funds to the university, which means that in order to provide the same quality of stuff, not even to improve, but just have the same amount of stuff, tuition has, has to, to rise yes. to make up for yes. So the money has to come from somewhere. <laughs> right, yes, yes uh, you can't operate at a deficit. Right. Not for long anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, it does not work, and unfortunately... Do we have overdraft protection? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. We do not have overdraft Aww. protection, but Ooh. we make sure that we're always above that magical mark. Good. So I have a question. We are a nonprofit. We are. What does that mean? Hmm. We have a, by our bylaws, we have a zero-based budget. We are also unique that we have absolutely no debt. Hmm. When we put up a new building on this campus, we have to have the money in hand or pledges committed to fund a and, building. And that's part of our bylaws. That's part of our bylaws. So anything that new we have to get, we actually have to have the money in hand. Correct. Is that just part of our identity or is that directly related to the nonprofit? That's part of our identity. But the nonprofit and many nonprofits zero based budget. What does a zero based budget mean? That means your revenues uh, need to, uh, well, revenues minus expenses <laughs> need to be zero or slightly to, above. We have to stay in the black. <laughs> exactly. Yes. I'm nailing this finance job. Red is not a good color. <laughs> but you also said. It needs to be zero slightly above, so not like deep in the black, but no. just a little bit in the black. The no, goal is to spend yes. as much as we bring in, though, right? I mean, that is necessary. It's sometimes the goal, yes, yeah. usually the goal. So Because we don't get to always keep this stuff. No, and then sometimes you bring in more revenues than you expect, and maybe you underspend in a few categories, so you end up with more than what you projected. So what do you do with that surplus? They hand it out, like they put it in gift bags, like little dollars, and you have to walk over them. <laughs> it's, the <laughs> it's the business office party fund. Oh, dang. <laughs> Imagine some years that can be quite a party. I mean, what is our, okay. Some years. <laughs> so I assume that when we have a surplus, it then needs to be allocated into either added to an endowment or earmarked for a certain thing. We well, don't just necessarily raise salaries or give bonuses. In a way that... Uh, yes, it is earmarked, and it's earmarked by the board. Okay. Any surplus that we would have in our general operating fund goes into board-approved funds to provide the funding sources for, say, a new program mm -hmm. or the international trip or some other special board-approved item. All right, I'm going to ask another question. <laughs> I told you we had lots of questions. Wow. So we are a small school. We are an itty-bitty school, as yeah. I was told, yes. Yeah. What is our one-year operating budget? Oh, yeah. How much do we, as a small school, spend a year? We are approximately $16.5 million, yeah. give or take. So even a small school, there is a lot of money <coughs> coming in and going out. There is quite a bit of money coming in and going out, yes. 
but I can't make a ton of money off that. You? No. Me personally. <laughs> <laughs> Not without embezzling? Mm, no. Also no, bad. Oh, yes. yes. Also jail time. We're yeah. back to that unethical fraud thing. <laughs> Sorry. So, yeah. the, so the, the amount of money that actually comes through is even a sizable school mid-sized school is probably more than students realize. Oh, I'm sure. But yeah. most schools, almost all, but certainly most, are nonprofit organizations. Many are. There are some for-profit colleges out there, but many are nonprofit. The logic is that you budget in a manner that's reasonable and what you can achieve, and then you reasonably match your expenses as to not exceed what you anticipate your revenue to be. And realistic. Must put that in that. I have a colleague. <laughs> He's been giving this number about like how much it costs to have a student here for an academic year. Um, like in terms of like if you divided up all the utilities and all that sixteen point five million or whatever it is and divided it by the number of students we have and you like do you do you he acted like this was a number that was told to him at one point. Something like, you know, it costs $63,000 a year just to have one student on campus after you include all of the stuff that they, like, absorb. It's not a number I've ever calculated. <laughs> I'm just curious, as it um, seems... We've calculated components of that. Okay. Like how much the instructional areas divided by your full-time equivalents you spend on each student over the course of a year. But we... Oh. And, and different areas like that, but... I've never looked at the overall number. By the way, listeners, full-time equivalent means you add up all of the full-time employees, you add up all of your half-time employees, and then divide them by two. Because each case Actually, students. Students? Oh, our students? Okay. Yeah. I so was you, like, what are you talking about? But anyway, like a full-time equivalent means you, you add up every half-time person counts as half a full-time equivalent. So two half-time people is one full-time equivalent. On, a, on an employee basis, yes. Yeah. On a student basis, it's by credit hours, and I'm not sure how that's calculated. Well, a full load is 12 credit hours. For us, it's 12 credit hours. That's a minimum load to be a full-time student. Mm -hmm. We want them to be running close to 18, but I think above 18, they need permission. Yes. And I've had, stu I've had students in my classes who were doing like 21 credit hours, and man, oh, wow. that was not a good look on them. And they are good students, but still... That, that's hard that it's, to it's, juggle everything yeah. that you have to do as a student. I don't think she was sleeping I at had all. one visit me today that is struggling. Yeah. She's an athlete. She's got a lot of credits. She's working a lot and yeah. homework. Yeah, that adds up. That adds up in terms of the, the number of hours in the day that you can spend on these things. Yeah, she said she doesn't have enough hours in the day to spend on those things. I believe it. Yeah, I can see that. Mm -hmm. Was she asking you <laughs> for like... Math help? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we were talking about a bill, and that oh, was weighing heavily on her also. Oh, that happens. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's kind of a stressful thing, like how to pay for school. Because not everybody's parents can afford just to write a check. I know mine couldn't. And trying to visit with financial aid and figure out how to pay things off so that I could still enroll the next semester. So I think, I think my son's only real shot is that we've already started... A college fund for him. Smart. Are you saying that you're not your millions of dollars in salary? <laughs> not gonna. Not gonna cover Sixteen point five million dollars salary. Oh, wait. That's yeah. My, that's only my last year before I disappear to Barbados. <laughs> we, we could talk about a little bit the finances for faculty members. 
we don't make, I mean, I believe the students think that we make a lot of money. Oh, God. And we have talked about a little bit in the past on this podcast that if a professor is, you know, a big professor at, a, at an R1 university, a tenured professor, it is possible for them to, to be making a six-figure, you know, $100,000. In the sciences. In the sciences. It's not happening in the humanities. It does depend upon the, the yeah. discipline. Right? Science, science professors tend to get paid more than There's probably some linguist out there who's like, that's not true, I get paid volleyball, but very I mean, rarely. Noam Chomsky. Yeah. I don't even know what Noam's doing these days. <laughs> Rolling in cash. <laughs> I don't know. Probably not, actually. Well, I'm just guessing. But we don't make a ton of money. No, we're, we're non-profit. Right. I mean, and as and as professors, we're also not making we're not making R one money at a small liberal arts. Yeah, we are we are not on that level. And even like people are like, oh, I bet at a private school you make a lot more money, and I'm like, well, oh, maybe on the a little size. more. It does. And the, the size is more important, does. I think, than whether you're public or private. The prestige of the of the college university, because the ones that are more prestigious often have bigger endowments, can afford to pay higher salaries, and want to pay higher salaries so they can attract high, you know more prestigious faculty members. Right. You know, part of the way that you get and keep prestigious faculty members is just by paying them more money. My wife's thesis advisor got headhunted out of UW Madison while she was there, while my while my wife was there. Headhunted. Like headhunted. Wow. Yes. Be all like, hey, come work for us. We'll pay you even more money. It's like. Okay, that's a, that's a good. That would be a career high for me. <laughs> to get snaked away yeah. from another college. <laughs> so what you were saying is we don't make a lot of money. There's anybody, I think it's a pretty solid thing to say that anybody who's in education to be in education, and that does high school teachers, you know, primary, secondary ed, college professors who are at teaching focused institutions, and actually, and you also professors at R1 universities, we're not in it for the money. If you're in an R1 unit because you love doing that research, the money's a nice perk. But it's not the money while you're there. True. And that also goes for staff, too. Um, we have nine-month staff here, and they're some of our probably uh, more hourly types of staff. Um, so they don't work during the summer. They actually have another job off campus someplace else during the summer. But they come back because they... They do come back. Work. Because they care for the students. I guess that's why I come back in August. <laughs> I won't tell them that. No. <laughs> yeah, you stick no. my head in your classroom for your own. She cares about you. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> he lies. <laughs> okay. Well, I feel like we clarified some things. I mean, I still... Did we clarify enough? Enough. 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 What I mean, else do you want clarified? I don't know. I had to think about it. We talked it. about endowments. I don't know what I don't Where know. Where the money comes from, how students should deal with the business office, which is talk to the business office. Talk, which sounds like it's a common theme. It's yes. a yeah. We don't make a lot of money. <laughs> Have you guys done one with Sherry? Financial aid would be good. No, we yeah, haven't. Do one. Yeah. It's on my list. I figured it was. I don't know. I feel like I know more. So we can't cash out our endowment. Cannot. Dang. But, but Many people think we can. I... Legally not allowed. Yeah, but like Sweetbriar, for example. They were going to close. I mean, granted, they had debt also. I'm just going to clarify. Um, but they were going to close with money in their endowment. What would have happened to that account? Depends on their bylaws. 
So, like, it could have been distributed back to donors or, I mean, what I mean, what are some of the options? Well, um, certainly I think at first it would have to be used to pay their debts. Yeah, I, I think that's probably But, like, for example, is. we don't have debts. Well, we so have So then I assume it just gets distributed to faculty members. That's what I would assume. We get a, an awesome severance package. Well, we have an affiliated organization. Uh, yeah, we would probably have to pay back to the affiliated organization yeah. quite a bit. <coughs> or all of it, right? Because they... Hmm. Yeah. I was just yeah. curious. Would there ever be a case where... I mean, I know there are laws, but there are also, like, proper channels, those kinds of things. Like, so sweet, Briar. I can't keep coming back to them because my students were like, well, what happens if this? And blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't know. Um, but they were like, but could they have, uh, is there like any way to overwrite or like vote or like ask for permission to spend some of that money that's supposedly untouchable in an effort to keep the school open? I think you would have to vote to change the bylaws if and, it's not in the bylaws. Or you would have to contact the donors. Yeah. Some of them will not be alive anymore. Right. Exactly. And they're difficult to reach. I'm sure they just call you right back. Um, <laughs> and yeah, that's probably more of an IA type of question. Yeah, I'm just curious. There's some specific hoops. Yes, sorry, yes. institutional advancement. I'm just curious. Sometimes Good called know. development. Good to know. Oh, okay. So interesting. They are also on my list. Yeah, the list. I'm just curious. We just had a long conversation about this in my class because they were very like interested in the details, and I'm like... <laughs> it really depends on the bylaws and how they're written, we'll and tell them the laws in the state. Yeah. Because... You're dealing with laws. large amounts of money. You're dealing with financial contracts with donors that persist even after the donor passes away. Some of them, when we talk to institutional advancements, we'll talk about this, but some of them, the financial contract really only comes into play after the person dies. Mm-hmm. This is called <coughs> maturing. Yes, it's the nicest way to say it. Uh, so there's all kinds of legal loopholes, not loopholes, but like... I bet there are hoop, loopholes, hoops. is my point. There's a lot of hoops. Hoops that you need to jump through in order to change something away from that. And you got to tick all those boxes at the state, federal, and legal contract. And they're different at every state. It's complicated. Anyway, thank you. Yeah. I think I... It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thanks, Amy. I uh, understand much better now. I mean, not all the way, but much better now. <laughs> how, the, how the finances of a college or university. Well, I just understand that it's complicated, like much more complicated, and you can't just, like, you know, shuffle monies. Would be nice, but no, you can't. <sighs> Learn that the hard way. <laughs> well, thank you, listeners, for joining us. We will see you next week. I won't see you. Yeah, we won't see you. You'll hear us anyway next week. If you have a question you want to get to me, you can reach me on Twitter at Dr. Hyland, D-O-C-T-O-R-H-Y-L-E-N-D, or shoot me an email at uh, peter.o.hyland, H-Y-L-E-N-D, at gmail.com. All right, have a good week. Bye.